0: Welcome to The Last American Vagabond. I am honor- honored to be joined today by James Corbett and Brock West to do a little watch along and question and answer afterward in regard to their recent documentary entitled COVID 911. Obviously, tomorrow is the anniversary of 9 11, and we wanted to go over in a really important time where we are watching seemingly the the transition from the security state into the biosecurity state. And we've talked a lot about this on the ch- on the channel, so as James Corbett as well and a lot of other people covering, you know, one of these inflection points in history where it seems these things are being, driven into reality, sort of like a 9-11 forward. And people have talked a lot about even COVID-19 being one of those moments. Well, it seems like there could be something coming next. Maybe that was the moment we're going to discuss this. We're going to go through and watch this documentary. We're going to stop here and there for some comments, and we will have a Q&A at the end. So make sure you put your questions in, and we'll get to them. James, thank you for joining me today. Brock, how are you, brother?
1: I am fantastic. Thank you for having me here. Um, this is going to be very interesting isn't it because this uh documentary is now three years old but we'll see how it holds up as to whether or not it uh, accurately predicted some of the things that were coming and what we've seen over the past couple of years yeah yeah absolutely, you,
2: absolutely i'm doing well ryan and james uh, thanks for having me on board for another watch along here of this uh really really uh if, if you don't mind me saying uh, seminal corporate report podcast documentary, um This was one of the ones that uh, really did get a lot of traction and um, is one of the really one of the more important works that uh, James has put out, in my opinion. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how things have changed in even just that short three year period from uh, the original from 2020 when we originally
1: released it. Yeah. Three years in the new normal is like 30 years in the old normal, I guess. (laughs) Here we go. Can't you see the grace? (laughs) Right. (laughs)
0: Well, I agree, though. I think this is a really important, you know, point to understand. I mean, really, the bigger thing is about, you know, whether this is something, in my mind, at the very least, something that is being executed, like driven into reality as opposed to just organic events that are popping yeah. off and, you know, some of them being taken advantage of, obviously, but we've talked a lot about the biosecurity state and what that means. And yeah, I agree. I think this is something that really, hopefully even more so, this will wake people up to the previous reality mm. and previous coverage of what 9-11 yep. really was and so on. Right.
1: So Because, I mean. yes, exactly. Let's underline that because I've had a lot of feedback over the past couple of years of people who have just, just started waking up to reality because of the craziness of the past few years who presumably, probably were the types of people who poo-pooed and dismissed that crazy nine eleven conspiracy theorizing until the point that they started to realize that, oh, wait, I'm being lied to about virtually everything. Maybe I should look right. into that. So, yeah, hopefully this is kind of a, uh, for people who are just finding about this, this might be a backdoor into nine eleven truth as well. Right, exactly.
0: Well, uh, any, any anything else you guys want to add before we jump right in and, uh, you know, get started?
1: I think we should get into it.
0: All right. We'll make sure you guys leave your comments in the chat. We will try to watch as we go through, but we'll come through at the end and grab some questions and answer those for you guys. And uh, let's get right to it.
1: 9-11, as we were told repeatedly in the days, weeks, and months after the attack, was the day that changed everything. In the span of one devastating morning, America changed forever.
3: Good morning. America
0: may never be the same, and this is why.
3: American life uh, will change forever as a result of this attack. Nothing will ever be the same again.
2: Nothing will ever be quite the same again.
1: Life will never be quite the same. These were no empty words. They were plain statements of fact. The world did change on that day. 9-11 was the carte blanche for a great reset, the institution of a new normal in international relations and domestic affairs. From the creation of the Department of Homeland Security and the militarization of the police to the multi-trillion dollar wars of aggression to reshape the Middle East, our lives today are drastically different than they were before that fateful Tuesday in September 2001.
3: On September the 11th, Enemies of freedom committed an act of war against our country. If September the 11th hadn't happened, mm. our assessment of the risk of allowing Saddam any possibility of him reconstituting his programs would not have been the same. For the first time, airport security will become a direct federal responsibility. I don't understand how a sexual assault we made a condition of my flying. This, this is not
4: considered a sexual
3: assault. It would be if you weren't the government. The old fact sheet said the
2: primary function of the FBI is law enforcement. That makes sense. That's what we grew up with. Uh, The new fact sheet says the primary function of the FBI is national
3: security. If you see something suspicious in the parking lot or in the store, say something immediately. Report suspicious activity to your local police or sheriff. If you need help, ask a Walmart manager for assistance. All of this was brought upon us in a single day. And night fell on a different world. A world where freedom itself is under attack.
1: The Obama administration's internal legal justification for assassinating U.S. citizens without charge has been revealed for the first time.
3: I don't know. If the president's gonna kill these people, he needs to let them know. Some of the people who might be terrorists or people who are missing fingers. Some people have stains on their clothing, some people have changed the color of their hair, or people who might like to pay in cash, or people who have seven days of food on hand. NYPD Commissioner Bill Bratton is warning that terrorists are using cell phone encryption and literally getting away with murder. Every nation in every region now has a decision to make.
1: Either you are with us, or you are with the terrorists. But nearly two decades later, 9-11 has gone from a touchstone event shaping all of the Western world's national security decisions, to a fading cultural memory of a trauma that took place before the newest generation of high school graduates were even born. 9-11 is no longer a driving political issue. But, as if on cue, a new event has come along to throw the world into chaos. Once again, we are being told that the world has changed forever.
2: This is not normal.
0: At least it wasn't until a few weeks ago, when everything we take for granted, everything moved just beyond our grasp. As a global community, we've experienced a once in a lifetime event that will shift and reshape our behaviors and perceptions for quite
2: some time.
3: This will be the new normal until a vaccine
2: is developed.
4: Meaning the new normal could last for months, even years. So a return to normal as we knew it is not on the cards in the near future.
1: And, once again, this is no empty rhetoric. Governments, businesses and NGOs are now coordinating at the international level on a great reset to once again completely reshape the world we are living in
3: history would look at this crisis as the great opportunity for reset.
4: The Great Reset is a welcome recognition that this human tragedy must be a wake-up
1: call. It is imperative that we reimagine, rebuild, redesign, reinvigorate, and rebalance our world. Reset cannot mean,
3: we can't think of it in terms of sort of pushing a button and going back to the way things were. And the normal was a crisis. The normal was itself not working. I think all Canadians understand that the restart of our economy needs to be green. It also needs to be equitable. It needs to be inclusive. What we're going to have to figure out,
4: and I think what we're all going to have to figure out together, is what our new normal looks like. Our new normal includes physical distancing from others. Our new normal uh, includes wearing masks where appropriate. Our new normal um, includes us knowing where this virus is each and every day, where we
0: live, where we work, where we want to travel.
4: In parts of Europe, immunity passports are being considered for people who are believed to be immune to the coronavirus. While in China, some cities have already implemented QR codes that generate a color in order for officials to enable how freely an individual may move around outdoors.
1: Those paying attention will have already noted the parallels between the war on terror declared after 9-11 and the war on the invisible enemy that has been declared on COVID-19. In fact, the security imperatives imposed by this pandemic crisis are so similar to those imposed by the terror crisis that, in many cases, the new security screening tools that are being put into place to combat COVID-19 are openly acknowledged to be mere upgrades of screening tools deployed after 9-11. Most people know Clear by going to the airport. It was born uh, after 9-11. This is another crisis uh, with a a new component that's being born. Explain what this product is in terms of how it's going to work relating to COVID.
4: So you're right. Clear was born out of 9-11. And it was about a public-private partnership leveraging Uh, innovation to enhance homeland security and delight customers. And that was really the beginning of screening 1.0. And just like screening was forever changed post 9-11, In a post-COVID environment, you're going to see screening and public safety significantly shift, but this time it's beyond airports, right? It's sports stadium, it's retail, as Dana talked about, it's um, office buildings, it's restaurants. And so while we started with travel, at our core, we're a biometric secure identity platform, where it's always been about attaching your identity to your boarding pass, the airport, or your ticket to get into a sports stadium, or your credit card to buy a beer. And so now with the launch of Clear Health Pass, it's about attaching your identity to your COVID-related health insights for employers, for employees, for customers. Everybody wants to know that each other's safe to start to reopen businesses and get America moving.
1: Yes, in some ways, the coronavirus security state is merely an extension of the 9-11 security state. But even more disturbing parallels between 9-11 and COVID-19 are to be found at a deeper level of analysis. It is true that, just like the response to the 9-11 attacks, the response to the COVID-19 crisis is being framed in terms of security. But whereas the post-9-11 era introduced America to the concept of homeland security, security from terrorists, individuals with identifiable intentions belonging to groups with stated political goals, the COVID-19 era is introducing the world to an altogether more abstract concept, biosecurity. Originally employed to describe threats to the environment, the introduction of invasive species to a habitat, for instance, or the transmission of infectious diseases among crops and livestock, the term biosecurity was injected into mainstream political discourse when the 2001 anthrax attacks linked bioterrorism to the global war on terror. Suddenly, Biosecurity was a pressing national security threat, and an entire architecture of national and international legislation was introduced to institute procedures for implementing medical martial law. In the U.S., the Model State Emergency Health Powers Act was passed in multiple state legislatures, giving governors the power to forcibly quarantine and even force vaccinate their populations in the event of a declared public health emergency. On the international level, The World Health Organization adopted the International Health Regulations in 2005, obligating all 196 WHO member nations to recognize declared public health emergencies of international concern, like pandemic disease outbreaks, as a global threat requiring international cooperation. Some have even argued that the legislation is broad enough to allow organizations like NATO leeway to enter countries in the interest of controlling the outbreak. Once again... The tie between this biosecurity paradigm and the war on terror paradigm is openly acknowledged. In a 2002 paper on the emerging biosecurity field, two U.S. environmental researchers noted the way that 9-11 had opened the door for biosecurity research and legislation. The events of September 11th and subsequent anthrax assaults have made U.S. policymakers and the public more aware of our vulnerability to organisms released with the intent to cause significant harm, they wrote. In 2010, the World Health Organization issued its own information note on biosecurity, stating that the overarching goal of biosecurity is to prevent, control, and or manage risks to life and health, and, echoing post-9-11 declarations about the need for global cooperation in the war on terror, that this goal can only be reached through a harmonized and integrated biosecurity approach based on international standards. What this predictably bland language obscures is the way that biosecurity is used to invoke emergency powers and install new security procedures. Just as the homeland security paradigm used the presumed threat of terrorism as an excuse to curtail civil liberties, so too does the biosecurity paradigm use presumed threats to public health as an excuse to curtail civil liberties.
3: In Hangzhou, to enter a tower block, you need to have your temperature taken and registered. And you must have an app on your phone, into which you input your name, temperature, recent travel, and ID number. The information generates a color code.
4: In Hangzhou, to go out of the community or to public activities, you need to have a green code. This green, yellow, or red code is automatically decided through the system. It uses big data to decide whether you've been to affected districts or come into contact with those people.
3: Chinese police officers are also seen in another disturbing video, nailing in wooden planks to block the front door of an apartment with people inside, who had just returned home from Wuhan. Afterwards, officials are seen sticking a red sign beside the front
4: door which reads, The people in this house have just returned from Wuhan. Don't be in
3: contact with them. The poor people inside are heard desperately screaming, Open the door! Melbourne is in full lockdown tonight as historic stage four restrictions take effect, forcing entire industries and shopping precincts to close. Health officials say it's the only option to stop the second wave and we'd be looking at 20,000 cases if we hadn't shut down. Can you like you? this? I'm like, in my
2: pajamas. What's I this? An ultrasound in an hour. Yeah, you're pregnant. she's pregnant, so. He... Well, I'll take it easy. What's Simulation this about? I have face... an
3: ultrasound. In an hour.
2: Let me finish and I'll explain. It. It's
1: in relation to a Facebook
2: post, in relation to a lockdown protest you put on for
3: Saturday. Yeah, and I wasn't
4: breaking any laws by doing you that. You are
3: actually. You are breaking all. Well, that's why I'm arresting you. In relation to. In front How can
2: you arrest children? her? That's. Police are preparing to launch their aerial arsenal as part of a crackdown on COVID rule breakers. High
3: powered drones will be used to find people not wearing masks and cars too far from home.
1: Dragonfly's public health and safety system uses
2: standard 4K cameras to provide anonymized data on social distancing, heart rate, respiratory rate, and fever detection.
1: My orders are. So police paté Pati manga barangay. shoot them dead.
3: Why
4: are you surrounding my children? Please step away from my children. Please,
3: step away from my children. Your children are
0: fine. I'm fine. Right, but but I've got cuffs that are too tight on my arms. All I was doing was
4: shopping. I explained to you that I don't have to have a mask on for health reasons. And then three people come
2: up to me, start twisting
1: my arms up. For
2: what? What's on him? Can you tell me why I'm under arrest? Why have I got cuffs on him? Right, well, you can't
3: just detain me under what law? Well, at the moment, we don't have specific powers, uh, but they will come very shortly, I'm sure. Uh, but in the British policing model, we always start uh, by talking to people. We always start by advising people. Uh, we can talk even more firmly to people. Off who the, the f you on. think you're grabbing?
0: Oh. Hey, who you grabbing? Oh. Who the f- you no, you right, no. No, Get off me! Get off me! I've told you! No! Now get off me! Or I'll get you locked up! Now get off me! Now, off me. now you've been told! Get the f***! Oi! Who the f*** are you grabbing there? I'll
2: spray you mate! What? I'm you're not spraying you me for you
0: know. nothing! He hasn't done nothing wrong! No, he
3: no, hasn't done nothing
2: wrong! He hasn't done, no, nothing wrong. No, done nothing wrong! There's a significant police presence there. Uh, a number of these protesters chanting Freedom! Freedom!
3: Freedom! Freedom!
2: Uh, we can also see that crowd, just the size of that crowd and the number of police that have gathered. There's public order response, there's uh, mounted police as well. Also, riot police have mobilized to try and manage this crowd.
1: The nightmare.
0: Well, let's take a break here and answer and uh address some questions and thoughts if i can get this to come up properly there we go (laughs) man i mean it's just it's it's almost incredible just to watch this again as much as we're all very aware of this stuff it's just almost almost speechless I can't believe this happened (laughs) as much as we all saw it so what's on your mind james
1: yeah i agree with you um i think we're at the stage where people just kind of are sick of this and just Mm want to almost in a way forget about it or yeah okay that happened yeah 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 and in a sense, you know, it's the fulfillment of what we were saying at the time. No new normal, etc. Well, people are just like, OK, whatever that happened. And that was in the past. But what, now we're over it um, because it is. Yeah. Can you uh, I, again? I am I'm struggling with words for this because it, this does bring back the incredible trauma that we were going through at that time that was right there and that was completely and totally unimaginable by most people before this point. Yeah, okay, we know there's people with big, dark agendas, etc. But, you know, what What are they going to do? They're not going to show up on your door doorstep arresting you for posting something on Facebook. Yes, they are. Yes, they did. This just happened. And people are already starting to kind of forget the the incredible serious nature of what we've just lived through and what it portends for the future. So... You know, it is good to remind ourselves of this and see some of this footage again.
0: I think this is where it intersects with the concept of, you know, whatever people's thoughts are on the idea of the mass psychosis or whatever we discuss around the psychological aspect Mm -hmm. that people are. Desperate to, ju- they don't want to envision that they don't want to bump up against this again. So there are people that are very aware, even that this is a terrible thing, and they did this to us. But they're they just they'd rather not even touch it again. They'd hopefully we can move forward. I don't want to think about it anymore. It's they've been mentally and so and psychologically scarred by it. I mean, we all understand that, you know. And yeah. so it's they're playing into that. I would argue, you know, it's 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 and in the law part you mentioned, you know, I it's I, I mean, there's so many comments we could make about any one of these clips. But you mentioned the Facebook clip with the pregnant woman that's being arrested. Mm-hmm. I just find it staggering that we can be in a point where you can alter a law somewhere or not even a law, just a right, some kind of emergency m- measure. And somehow that person is supposed to know that in real time while they're posting something on Facebook. Is it retroactively illegal? You know, it's, just, it's so clear this was so such a violation and they knew that, too.
1: You know, good point, Ryan. I am going to look up what happened with that case Mm because I don't know what happened. I know with a lot of these cases, of course, these people get taken in, they get booked, they get arrested, they get whatever, and then they take it to trial and it's dropped. Mm. I mean, this happened to so many people because they couldn't make it stick because, no, they didn't actually have laws preventing you from posting things on Facebook or whatever. They were making it up as they were going along. They were lying. And a lot of it was challenged successfully in courts. And we should follow up on that because that's an important part of this story.
2: I do actually believe that I don't know ex- exactly what happened with that particular case with the pregnant woman in Australia James but <clears throat> excuse me um the the push for online censorship and the push for cracking down on um, online misinformation and disinformation going against the powers that shouldn't be there is there is a massive bill much like the uh, the C 18. Uh, the c19 in Canada yeah. g- going through Australian Parliament right now so you know that's that's the main
1: effect. It doesn't yeah. matter about this Now they're going to try to bring into law what they were pretending was the law. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Right. I mean, I was just yeah. talking about on the show before, earlier today about the idea of emergency governance. You know, we're in this really dangerous time where everything. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the example of the the New Mexico governor basically saying openly, "You, your no rights. All rights have limits. That we, if as long as I declare an emergency, and then literally later declares an emergency, a health, public health emergency, for guns." And then pulls the idea of the open carry and concealed carry for 90 days. But let's I, how much do you want to bet that goes on indefinitely like the rest of our temporary emergency yeah. status? You know, it's, it's, it's alarming. And that's what all yeah. of this is.
1: Exactly. And that's why I did my podcast on states of emergency. I believe it was episode 410 of the Corporate Report. Anyway, people can look it up on my site. It's all about that. And the fact that we are this this truly the past few years has been the attempt to bring in a new governing paradigm mm. for the planet, essentially rule by emergency decree. And unfortunately, now we're in the aftermath of the crater that has been left by this event in which they're trying to consolidate all of this and push it into law in various ways, like the, uh, the censorship bills you're talking about, like the WHO pandemic treaty, et cetera. Now they're trying to codify it into law while everybody else is just trying to go back to living their lives because they don't want to think about this anymore.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All the more reason why it's important to understand, like from an American perspective, at the very least, why your constitutional rights are important and why they're so desperately trying to kind of push that into the background. You know, I know there's pl- lots of criticisms around it. I have some myself, but nonetheless, it's important to understand what your rights actually are today, you know, as it's drifting into the background.
1: Yeah, exactly Absolutely. right. Well, we're just uh, getting into the meat of it here with the biosecurity, et cetera. So. Perhaps we can get back into it. And uh, again, people can leave their comments and questions in the uh, various chats of whatever platform you're watching on. And we'll circle back to it at the end. Sounds good. Irish Police state that is coming into view on the back of this pandemic panic is not a temporary state of affairs, nor is it a haphazard set of measures thrown together on an ad hoc basis. It is the creation of a new form of governance. This new form of governance relies on the perceived sense of crisis, in this case, a public health crisis, to justify constant surveillance of the public and new powers to inhibit the travel of anyone deemed a health risk. Famed Italian philosopher Giorgio Agamben has documented how this biosecurity state is being erected on the back of the panic that 9-11 and the war on terror helped induce in the public. We might say that once terrorism was exhausted as a justification for exceptional measures, the invention of an epidemic could offer the ideal pretext for broadening such measures beyond any limitation. The other factor, no less disquieting, is the state of fear, which in recent years has diffused into individual consciousness and which translates into a real need for states of collective panic, for which the epidemic once again offers the ideal pretext. Therefore, in a perverse, vicious circle, The limitation of freedom imposed by governments is accepted in the name of a desire for safety, which has been created by the same governments who now intervene to satisfy it. The parallel nature of 9-11 and COVID-19 as catalyzing events ushering in states of collective panic and, ultimately, new forms of governance is seen most clearly in the area where these two paradigms overlap. Bioterrorism. The molten steel on the ground zero pile had not even cooled before the American public and the people of the world were confronted with the specter of bioterrorism. Beginning a week after 9-11 and continuing for weeks thereafter, a series of letters containing anthrax spores were mailed to media personalities and government officials in an apparent continuation of the terrorist attack on the U.S. The letters were quickly tied to both al-Qaeda and Iraq in the mainstream media.
3: Peter, from three well-placed but separate sources tonight, ABC News has been told that initial tests on the anthrax sent to Senator Daschle have found a telltale chemical additive whose name means a lot to weapons experts. It is called bentonite. It's possible other countries may be using it too, but it is a trademark of Saddam Hussein's biological weapons program. It does mean for me that Iraq becomes the prime suspect as the source for the anthrax used in these letters.
1: The 24-7 coverage of the event in the media ceased abruptly, however, when it was discovered that the strain of anthrax used in the attacks sourced not to Iraq, but to the U.S. military's own bioweapons laboratory at Fort Detrick, Maryland. But this convergence of terrorism and biosecurity did not start with the anthrax attacks. It began in June of 2001, a full three months before 9-11 and the declaration of the war on terror itself. That was when a number of ranking U.S. military and intelligence officials took part in Dark Winter, a high-level exercise that simulated the U.S.'s response to a smallpox attack on the homeland by bioterrorists. The drill, co-hosted by the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, took place at Andrews Air Force Base on the 22nd and 23rd of June 2001, and even involved fake news reports that were broadcast to the participants as the simulation unfolded.
4: On day six of the smallpox epidemic, the White House confirmed that federal government officials and military personnel are being vaccinated. 300 people have died. At least 2,000 are infected with smallpox. Still, no group claims responsibility for unleashing the deadly smallpox virus. But NCN has learned that Iraq may have provided the technology behind the attack to terrorist groups based in Afghanistan.
1: In an incredible parallel, the same Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security that co-hosted Dark Winter, also co-hosted Event 201, a simulation of a globally spreading novel coronavirus pandemic that was held in New York just months before the declaration of the globally spreading novel coronavirus pandemic that hailed the advent of the era of biosecurity. This exercise similarly involved fake news broadcasts.
4: It began in healthy-looking pigs months, perhaps years ago. A new coronavirus spread silently within herds. Gradually, farmers started getting sick. Infected people got a respiratory illness with symptoms ranging from mild flu-like signs to severe pneumonia. The sickest required intensive care. Many died.
1: Unsurprisingly, Many of the same characters that were involved in the promotion of the bioterror scare under the old homeland security paradigm have been influential in promoting the COVID-19 scare under the new biosecurity paradigm. The phrase homeland security itself was popularized in Washington in the late 1990s and capitalized on by the Answer Institute, which formed an institute for homeland security in 1999 led by Randall Larson, a professor and department chair at the National War College. The Institute prepared a course on Homeland Security, which was to be co-taught by Larson and his National War College colleague Robert Cadlick. Coincidentally, the course was slated to begin on September 11, 2001. Part of the course syllabus included a review of the Dark Winter Exercise, which the Institute for Homeland Security co-created. The name Dark Winter derives from a statement made by Larson's colleague, Robert Cadlick credited as a bio warfare defense expert during the exercise's fake news broadcast.
2: And the problem is we don't have enough vaccine to go around.
4: Meaning we don't have enough vaccine for the United States?
0: Well, I would like to think that, but we don't have sufficient uh, stockpiles for the people in Oklahoma, Georgia, or Pennsylvania, much less for the entire United States population. Well, that certainly doesn't sound encouraging. What do you mean exactly? Angie, it
3: means it could be a very dark
0: winter for America.
4: Sobering. Thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Cadlick.
1: A career officer and physician in the United States Air Force, Cadlick would go on to contribute to the FBI's investigation of the 2001 anthrax attacks and then serve in several key biosecurity-related roles in the George W. Bush White House. During this time, Cadlick helped draft the Pandemic and All Hazards Preparedness Act. Passed by Congress in 2006, The act greatly expanded federal power during public health emergencies and consolidated many of these powers in a new office, the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response. Then, in what Cadillac has called just a coincidence, Trump appointed Cadillac himself to that position in 2017. In his role as ASPR, Cadillac oversaw a joint exercise in 2019 named Crimson Contagion. The drill included the National Security Council, the Pentagon, the Department of Homeland Security, and a raft of other government agencies, and simulated the U.S. government's response to a viral pandemic originating in China and spreading around the globe. Like Dark Winter, the Crimson Contagion exercise took place just months before the events it was simulating began to play out in real life. And, like Dark Winter... It gave participants like Cadlick the chance to argue that biosecurity was a pressing national security challenge that the country was ill-prepared to meet. An argument that he made to Congress, with Dr. Anthony Fauci by his side, just one week before the first reports of the novel coronavirus spreading in China.
4: Uh, Dr. Cadlick, what keeps you up at night when you think about uh, prepare, preparedness for the next flu, big flu outbreak?
3: I mean, thank you, ma'am. I appreciate the question. I mean, I sleep like a baby. I wake up every two hours screaming, uh, but like um, me. Yeah, but I think the key thing here is is a pandemic. Uh, quite frankly, I have the unique background on this committee or this uh, dais to have served two years on the Senate Intelligence Committee and looked at the many threats that face the United States, but there is no singular threat that could devastate our country uh, through, through our health and our economy and our social uh, institutions, then pandemic influenza. Yeah. And we had four during the last century. And uh, even though we've had a mild one in this first century,
2: I think the risk is that we'll have another severe one and that would devastate our country.
1: Then there's Donald Rumsfeld. As secretary of defense in the first term of the George W. Bush administration, there are few people more closely associated with the War on Terror. Rumsfeld, too, has been intimately associated with the emerging biosecurity state for decades. In the 1980s, he personally participated in secret meetings with Saddam Hussein that resulted in anthrax, botulism, and other chemical weapons being sent from the U.S. to Iraq. In the 1990s, he was named Chairman of Gilead Sciences a California biotech company that profited handsomely from the scramble for Tamiflu during the bird flu scare of 2005, and which is currently profiting handsomely from remdesivir as a result of the COVID-19 scare.
3: The data shows that remdesivir has a clear-cut, significant, positive effect in diminishing the time to recovery.
1: There are many others whose careers blaze the same trail, transitioning seamlessly from the homeland security state to the biosecurity state. People like Dr. Richard Hatchett, who served as director for biodefense policy under George W. Bush, then as acting director of the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority and acting deputy assistant secretary in the office of the assistant secretary for preparedness and response within HHS, before becoming the CEO of CEPI, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation co-founded Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations. In his position as global health expert, Hatchett made waves back in March for his alarmist pronouncements about the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic.
2: This is the most frightening disease I've ever encountered in my career, and that includes Ebola, it includes MERS, it includes SARS. And it's frightening because of the combination of infectiousness and a lethality
1: that is appears to be manyfold higher than flu that so many of the people who were there at the birth of the war on terror are currently acting as midwives to the biosecurity state should come as no surprise after all the biosecurity paradigm is not a replacement for the terror paradigm it is its fulfillment The War on Terror imagined a covert army of foreign invaders slipping through the defenses of the homeland and commandeering the resources of the body politic to wreak internal havoc. The biosecurity state posits largely the same scenario. But now those foreign invaders are not terrorists, possessed with a hatred of freedom. They are asymptomatic carriers, possessed by a pathogen. Just as the Homeland Security Forces and Border Security Agents were entrusted to protect us from the terrorists, now the frontline heroes, doctors and nurses armed with the tools of the technocratic priest class, can protect us from the invisible enemy. This speaks to an important aspect of the biosecurity state. Ultimately, it is not about health, it is about politics. Once again, we find insight on this turn of events from Giorgio Agamben, who has noted that viral epidemics are, above all, a political concept, which is preparing to become the new terrain of world politics, or non-politics. It is possible, however, that the epidemic that we are living through will be the actualization of the global civil war that, according to the most attentive political theorists, has taken the place of traditional world wars. All nations and all peoples are now in an enduring war with themselves because the invisible and elusive enemy with which they are struggling is within us. Governments are banning gatherings and events, instituting new screening procedures, quarantining healthy, functioning people against their will, tracking and surveilling every individual, controlling their movements, monitoring their transactions. Make no mistake, the war on terror is not over. It has just greatly expanded. The proponents of 9-11 Truth have warned for 19 years that the war on terror was always a war on the public. Long pushed to the margins of the political debate, that viewpoint has been vindicated as the terrorist label is replaced by the asymptomatic carrier label and all the machinery of the police state is wielded against everyone who opposes the biosecurity takeover. Given that those once derided as conspiracy theorists have turned out to be the most prescient political observers of all, perhaps it is time to learn the real lessons from 9-11 that mainstream discourse has always excluded. That 9-11 and the war on terror was not a war at all, but a power grab. That the temporary measures brought in to deal with an alleged emergency will never be relinquished. And, most importantly, that unless everyone who cares about this The most blatant power grab in history rises up refuses to cower in fear of the invisible enemy and reclaims their inalienable rights to freedom of movement freedom of association and freedom of assembly then those freedoms will be gone for good this is the message of 9 11 truth that the world was tricked into giving up their rights in the name of an endless parade of boogeymen In reality, it was the very politicians and officials claiming to protect us from these boogeymen, the ones donning the mantle of homeland security, who were the greatest threat to the public. And now they are claiming we are the boogeymen, asymptomatic carriers of an invisible enemy, walking and talking weapons of mass destruction who must be caged in fear forever, lest the virus kills us all. This is a lie. And it exposes what the fearmongers are themselves afraid of. Free humanity. Gathering. Talking. Working. Playing. Living. It is no small irony that this year's 9-11 memorials have been disrupted by the COVID scare. The torch has well and truly passed. And the annual injunctions to never forget have been replaced by a litany of always remembers. Remember to wear your mask. Remember to stay six feet apart. Remember to avoid large groups. Remember to stay home. After 19 years, perhaps it is time to admit that 9-11 Truth failed to expose the war on terror lie in time to derail the Homeland Security agenda. But we are entering a new era, and we have a new chance to wake from this nightmare. Knowing this, The only question is, will we reject the war on the invisible enemy before it's too late? Whatever our choice, we better make it quickly. A great reset is coming.
3: Great harm has been done to us We have suffered great loss and in our grief and anger, we have found our mission and our moment. Freedom and fear are at war. The advance of human freedom, the great achievement of our time and the great hope of every time, now depends on us.
0: Really well done, guys. I want
3: to assure the American people that we're doing everything we can each day to confront and ultimately defeat this horrible, invisible enemy. We're at war. In a true sense, we're at war. And we're fighting an invisible enemy. Think of that.
0: Really well done, guys.
1: Thank I mean, you. Just, well, there you go. And uh, if only Trump had been in office when this was all taking place. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, Trump twenty twenty four guys, he'll save you. Man.
0: Yeah. It just the one thing that really jumps into my mind after all this is you know and really really well put together at the end there that you know as Whitney coined in her earlier coverage twenty twenty your body is the new battlefield right like the the point you made there really well and the really the thing that really stands out to me in all of this is. I think, and I think this is easy to prove, that it's always been that way, right? It's never been about the boogeyman, and the re- it's about the fact that we've always been a threat to the power structure. as anybody willing to ask questions? Just people in general. I think historically, power structure's are always afraid of the of the people, right? And this is just a way to invert that in a way that never... Like, the way you said, the never forgets become the always remembers, that's such a terrifying inversion to the future. Like, it's a never-ending... Yeah, that's just, yeah, this this... I'm this, hopefully this reaches some people because this needs to stop.
1: I certainly hope so. And while we're mentioning Whitney, I think we should give the hat tip. Um, that whole section on Robert Cadillac, there's so much more information about that particular mm. monster in this uh, tale that uh, she obviously talked about at great length back in May of 2020, head of the Hydra, the rise of Robert Cadillac. And that is linked up, of course, in the um, in the uh, transcript for this as I'm talking about Cadillac and mentioning some of those things. But yeah, I thought it was... I mean, some of those things are just so crazy you could not make them up, like the Answer Institute starting its course on homeland security, scheduled to start on nine eleven two thousand one. Well, I guess that course was delayed a little bit, but anyway, it came to fruition, didn't it? yeah.
0: Yeah. And again, shout out to Whitney for the the really kind of prescient work she put out about a lot of this stuff ahead of time, you know, and, and you as well, both of you, you know, that that's that really is to think of the think about the fact that this was put out right in the beginning of all this. There there was people like like yourself, James, like you, Brock, that really, you know, had been calling this for a long time, like not necessarily exactly the way it developed, but that, that this was developing. And that's why you weren't surprised to see this roll out. And, and right in the beginning, we're calling it for what it was, you know, that that's. It's just it's alarming that it can be so transparent that we yeah, can see the building really blocks is, yeah. for so long,
1: you know. Yeah. Uh, like that Model State Emergency Health Powers Act. I, I, I probably literally cut and pasted that from my podcast from 2009. Like, I mean, that nice. this has been circling around for years and years and years and years and years. And, years, and finally, it, they pulled the trigger on it. Um, that was, as I've said before, I think that was the most surprising part for me of all of this at first I thought, Oh, it's just going to be another Zika. It's going to be another mm. Ebola scare, whatever, where they just b- scare the public, get some, you know, uh, antiviral meds and vaccines sold for their big farm of overlords. And then, you know, go back to business as usual. I wasn't expecting they were going to try to actually pull the trigger on this. Mm.
0: Well, to, to kick off the question, do you any comments you want to say, Brock, before we get into questions, any comments or thoughts? Um,
2: not, not particularly. But I'm more interested now, sort of, where we are right now from from 2020, from September 11, 2020. Mm. Um, yeah. w- whenever, whenever a massive catalyzing event like this does happen, there is to use the opp- Christ opportunity, the opportunity uh-huh. for people to wake up. And I really believe that the whole scam that is really. Shaking a lot of people out of their slumber a little bit, which mm-hmm. I think is positive I mean, we've got to yeah. find the positives. And as James has been doing tirelessly the last few years, you know, finding solutions the way through of this, you know. And a recent example, of course, is the uh, the ULES, the uh, ultra light mm-hmm. economic zone blade runners who have been uh, taking mm-hmm. down these cameras and everything over in London, there, right? Um, and the growing resistance, you know, the of people aren't getting boosters anymore, and like after maybe their sixth or seventh one. But anyway, well, there is a stronger resistance to this now. I'm not saying that, of course, this couldn't happen again. I'm pretty sure they're planning for that. It seems to be like that anyway. But from from 2020 to now, what are some of the positives that we can kind of take out of it, if, if, if anything at all? You know, That's the question. That is I the have. right
1: way to frame it. And uh, for myself, from, from my perspective, I think you're right. At least the realization that, um, that people have had that they are being lied to, which has occurred on a massive scale that we haven't seen since, I would say, the 2008 economic crisis. I saw a lot of people starting to question their reality at that time. But um, this was probably orders of magnitude larger than that. Um, it's a humongous opportunity, as you say, to cash in on that. But unfortunately, it's also uh, it, it, I, I keep going back to the, the framing this in terms of 9-11 and seeing where we are in the timeline of the development of 9-11 truth and understanding versus COVID un- truth and understanding and as I see the it start to develop, I see also the exact same things that happened to nine eleven Truth, where everyone can agree we were lied to, and we, we definitely did not get the truth, and we, it was covered up, and there was all sorts of shady shenanigans going on, but then you get the division into 18,000 different flavors of, you must believe this exact thing that I believe, otherwise you're the shell, which is, of course, can be started by literal infiltrators and cognitive infiltrators and others trying to do that. But unfortunately, it doesn't take a lot of effort to get people to um, to basically bif- or bifurcate or m- break it to 18,000 different directions um, at the drop of a hat. And un- unfortunately, I think we have the possibility of that happening here too. Again, if you don't believe exactly what I believe about all of this, then you're the shell infiltrator uh, operative and mm. blah, 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 and excommunicate. So what is coming... My question then, I I know this isn't the positive thing that you're looking for, but my question is, what is coming together as a result of this rather than what is being blown apart? Because, yeah, I think people's trust in in mainstream media, et cetera, has been completely blown apart and eviscerated. But what is coming together as a result of that? And I don't necessarily see incredibly uh, hopeful signs in that regard.
0: Well, I mean, I will add, I mean, it's all—it's kind of the way you look at it, because things that might be breaking apart in a way are rebuilding in other ways, right? Like we're kind of, in, I guess, the idea of, let's say, trust and authority, like you're saying, mainstream media, but like doctors, uh, you know, the scientific studies, you know, like there's a whole new understanding about that today from a lot of people that are it's it's amazing that we always ever framed it that we were supposed to trust anybody or, you know, that we shouldn't, the idea that we should have been questioning everything the entire time is a new thought for a lot of people today. And so as much as that's kind of shattering what they thought was something they could trust, it's, it's building this new understanding that these people should have never been blindly trusted, not politicians, not doctors, not scientists, we should have always been questioning. So it's a good and a bad, you know, so I, I get your sentiment, though, it's it's hard people are really in a, in a bad place for a lot of people right now. They're very uncomfortable. They feel very out of sorts, but I hope we can use that momentum to build into something good, to put a good point on it if we can. And I, they're, they're willing. And and like Brock was saying, they're open to something different. Some people that have never once questioned mainstream things are now going like, what else is out there? Like, I'd see that as a positive myself. Yeah.
1: yeah also, definitely. I'm also looking at this from the, uh, the, very obvious first order effects of this craziness on my work and your work and other work, Um, eh, the censorship, which obviously came the censorship regime, which was kicked into overdrive as a result of this, which saw, of course, the Corbett Report YouTube channel being scrubbed and many, many others, including many, many channels of yours (laughs) that have been associated with your work. (laughs) And that has absolutely had an effect. I mean, it struck me again, I don't dwell on this. I don't think about it. I don't orient myself any differently today than I did three years ago. But it did strike me again recently. Yeah, I will never, ever, ever again have a million-plus view documentary. Mm. I was looking at the old century of enslavement post there, the, the the on my YouTube channel that got scrubbed. It's been preserved on altcensored.com, which kind of backed up a bunch of channels, and it had the yeah 2.2 million views on YouTube before it got scrubbed. And I'm uh, it. It's very obvious to me. I will never have that kind of reach again. Right. Um, oh, well, I know, easy come, easy go, but it does it does make a difference. I mean, imagine if voices like ours were out there in the mainstream conversation that's happening right. online right now. Well, yeah, it isn't. <laughs>
0: it's, it's this controlled flow of information, which is very, very obvious to pretty much everybody, you know, that these voices get raised up, that, you know, and I think it's really just about, it's kind of the sentiment about, you know, we can still get reach to certain people depending on how this gets around it, but whether these things break, you know, like that, that's an important difference. And you're right. You know, it's just I'm not going to say I'm I hope that things can somehow find around you know, that corner and go back to maybe some positive. But you're right right now. It's it's obvious that that's that's the, that's a tenet of the tech, not technocratic control structure. I think the word this goes, you know, making sure that we're in that, you know, like the whole freedom of reach, not speech or speech, not reach kind of dynamic game they're playing. Yeah, you yeah. can stand in that corner and scream all you want. No one can see you there, but you're there. You know, it's just, that's the problem. But I, I wanted to ask you about, you know, starting another question in general, since you brought it up before about, you know, Zika, you thought it was, you know, maybe going to be just another one like that. Do you think in your mind that it was really just a matter of opportunity that Zika could have been the COVID-19 narrative? Or was it something, you know, where where, where do you think in your mind that it was, was this like the converging yeah. experiments?
1: Mm, I, clearly, well, hmm, I, I, if I'm going to speculate about timing and why 2020, as opposed to any other time... I would say the technological infrastructure for it really, I think 2020 is the earliest possible point you could imagine, the QR code and all of this kind of nonsense, the ubiquitous smartphone technology absolutely was a key motivating factor, I think, in all of this. They can do it now, so it happens immediately as soon as the Mm. technology is in place, essentially.
0: Yeah, see, that's interesting. I would add one point to it is it I I agree completely. I think that the technological advancements were there. But I also feel like, let me know what you think that this there was a lot of parts that felt overly rushed, like, like Mm. to the point to where it was waking people up, like Brock was talking about. And I wonder if there was another time frame in there that we're unaware of, like a reason they thought, Mm. well, we've got the technology, but people are waking up or like, you know, let's fit this in as fast as possible. I think it kind of blew up in their face a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I really And they're... it's fun to speculate about that. I often yeah. wonder about 2030 and what it is about 2030 and why there's. it's not just Agenda 2030. It's hmm. a million different documents from all sorts of different government agencies and things. All the Vision 2030 documents and all this stuff. It's all about 2030. Is that significant? I mean, is there some sort of actual timeline going on? And who knows? You know, the polar shift or <laughs> whatever. Who knows? What they turn up the neurology. On. Well, there you go. There you go. Again, it's the speculation. Yeah. So I don't have a definitive answer for any of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's all speculation, but, you know, you being somebody who, you know, your opinion holds a lot of weight for a lot of people you've been researching a long time. You know, just wanted your thoughts on, you know, sure. whether it's an opportunity or or just the, you know, my, but I think I think I agree with you, the technology. But let, let's get into some questions from the chats. Do you guys have any that you kind of pulled aside if not i can just grab some from the chat that might have and in the meantime if right now guys dump your questions in the chats we'll grab the ones from from you know the most recent um you guys have any thoughts or any questions you grabbed
1: uh the only question that i saw actually um dale on GooTube of all places Ooh, mm-hmm. i got one uh, mr corbett what do you think of plum island being moved to manhattan kansas right yeah um, good question um i don't think i have a detailed or specific thought about that but if people don't know about plum island and it's interesting history and the development of Lyme disease and other such things. I think people need to be more aware of that because I think that factors into the biosecurity state in general. Um, What does this mean for, well, I I would say people in the vicinity of Manhattan, Kansas should at least be uh, aware of that story and planning future moves accordingly, perhaps, because uh, it's generally not a good thing to have one of those kind of laboratories in your backyard.
2: Mm. Um, If people want a good really good documentary about plum island and all that uh true stream media did one uh, really brilliant documentary a few years ago i believe um we, we can put that in the show notes as well
0: yep absolutely i, w- I was going to bring up i recently did a, oops broke up oh started playing in the background here is the the documentary we'll play in there really what always my go-to for that topic uh, this really is a great you know yeah yep. i just it, they have the ad playing in the background i also did a recent show talking about this overlap and you guys probably saw the you know, there's that phys- that bio uh, mm-hmm. phys- yeah. I think he's saying, you know, hey, we can give people vaccines to stop yeah. them from eating meat, and the overlap of that story. It's very interesting, especially with the overlap of like mosquitoes, malaria, and a whole the where that's all going. You know, I, I don't know whether that's just kind of opportunist again, or they're making stuff happen. But we should ask those questions for sure.
1: Well, here it is. I mean, again, technologically speaking, we are on the cusp of all sorts of things that medically speaking would have been unthinkable before and all sorts of ways of tinkering with people at the genetic level and otherwise to do things that would have been unthinkable before. And what do you know, all of a sudden nature is striking back and all these novel diseases and things are are suddenly popping up for some reason. In the vicinity of bioweapons labs. Uh, Oh, you know, whatever. Anyway, let's just go on. Climate change, James. But the worst part is it's the self licking ice cream cone because the problem, regardless of how it's generated or by whom, or even if it's real, or even if it's just 100% synthetic, doesn't matter. The problem will be used as the justification for the coming solution, which will, of course, actually only exacerbate the problem. So, you know, this is exactly the same as 9 11 and the whole terror state scenario yeah.
0: yeah the whole the whole uh you know climate change overlap is such an interesting kind of just set narrative around these things because like even with like the fires oh well it turns out it was arson well still the fires are worse because of climate change <laughs> what? it's kind of like you know the the 19 argument that it would have been worse if you didn't have the injection it's yeah. like well i guess we'll
1: never right. know yeah exactly right
0: let's see uh here's a question um Uh, Vinticus from uh, Locals says, how how much do you guys think the powers that ought not be operate on the fallacy of the isolated system? Meaning actually believing they or their future generations will never negatively be affected by the narratives and systems they create.
1: Interesting. Mm. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's a good question. I've heard variants of this question over different topics over the years like why would they do chemtrails and spray everyone aren't they them and their families aren't they going to be affected etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm. and again we could get into multiple layers of speculation well maybe they have you know secret antidotes and things behind the scenes and know certain things and avoid certain products or whatever it is maybe um but i always i've always found it interesting watching uh i think like people like bill gates or Trump or whoever, sipping their diet Cokes and, you know, ingesting the same aspartame poison that all the plebs are ingesting. I I I don't think these people are super geniuses that know everything. I think a lot of them are kind of dumb in certain respects and maybe actually believe their own, the systems propaganda in various ways that, oh, yeah, aspartame, ah, it's fine. It's good as mother's milk there was a study about it that was funded by the food industry a couple decades ago. So I'll, I'll trust it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good question. Uh, there is, I mean, that, that could be on the longer scale. One of the things that is rushing some of these events and rushing the, towards the end goal is the sort of degeneration of the elitist class over time. Um, because when things are um, generational, rather than meritocratic, uh, it does tend to devolve over time. Um, Children of rich, powerful people aren't necessarily going to be the same kinds of powerful, genius, Machiavellian schemers. They may just be loafers and bums who just happen to luck into the billion-dollar fortune. And they're the ones who end up carrying the football further down the field. So, I mean, is Alex question mark soros going to be as effective a oligarch as george soros i guess we'll find out um but that's not necessarily the case and so is there a kind of degeneration of the elitist class that they're kind of racing against in a sense um again speculation i don't know uh but i think that's about all the thoughts i have on that off the top of my head
0: well, I would add that I think what's interesting is that the Trump level or just like that, let, you know, let's just put it in the context of like a Lindsey Graham, Nancy Pelosi. I don't tend to think these people are the even remotely. Most of these people are, I think, in the under the impression they're in the know. You know what I mean? But they're not yeah, really, you know, you know, sure. so ultimately they are the ones drinking these sodas and they think right, they've got yeah. all the information. But, you know, and then the question becomes the people that might be the ones pulling their strings, whoever right. they may be. And it's not like in the know is an
1: on off switch. Yeah, exactly. You could be completely in the know on this, but completely out right. of the know on that. You could be halfway in the know. You could be 20% in the know, right? right. Like,
0: yeah. You know. It's Again, it's hard to know for sure, definitely. But, I, you know, I, I think what's... The question is, I think a good one, even if we can't answer it, that it there's got to be an explanation there right either it's not either they don't think that it's hurting themselves Mm. in the long run or Mm. they know a way they they're convinced that it won't hurt them or something like that but
1: or multiple again uh, multiple different explanations for different people who Hmm. have their own motivations and i think i i think some of them really do buy their own propaganda on the transhumanist dream ultimately you know we are the ones who are going to upload our consciousness and be the cyborg rulers of the world. There are, I'm sure some factions of the oligarchy that genuinely believe that. And thus, who cares what's happening to you weird biological meat slabs? That's not going to affect us and our perfect silicon bodies of the future. Mm.
0: Terrifying. Well, here's a question from Lee Sween Machine. Do you think injected people themselves are part of the surveillance state? And to what degree? And then secondly, is there uh, validity to the unnamed mystery Bluetooth videos, compatibility, Wi-Fi, nanotech? I think that's like the whole, you know, suddenly you're compatible or that magnet stick and the whole thing. But first, just do you think injected people themselves are part of the surveillance state and to what degree? I think that's an excellent question.
1: Yeah, it is. And I guess in the sense that, yes, so much of the infrastructure for surveillance was created around this idea of testing vaccinated or unvaccinated then in a sense, yes, every everyone plays into that um, at the very least by getting the, whatever it is, the health pass, the QR code, the uh, it being registered. Uh, it, it, there's, uh, there's those things that came out, wasn't it, uh, I want to say New York Teachers Union was suing because they were, uh, their information about their vaccination status was being passed to the FBI or something like that. I can't remember mm-hmm. the details of that story, but that was coming out a few months ago. Anyway, Yeah. So there is a surveillance state that's being built around the vaccines as to the specifics of like, you know, microchips in the vaccines or some specific thing like that. I don't have definitive evidence of that. But I did I did find it very, very interesting that that was the way that the fact checkers took it immediately when people like, for example, when Bill Gates and I want to say this was at the very beginning of COVID, was it before COVID? He did a Q and A on Reddit. And I remember a lot of people pointed to it where he said, yeah, I'm pretty sure this was probably March, April, May, something like that, 2020, where he was saying um, something to the effect of digital health certificates to find out who's been injected and who hasn't, whatever, something along those lines. And so people were rightly pointing that out and saying, look, you know, obviously they're gonna try to erect vaccine passports, essentially. And but that, the way the fact checkers then picked up on that is they'd find the person with the Facebook post with, you know, 14 views and go, look, this guy says Bill Gates is putting microchips in the vaccine, but he didn't say that. Blah, blah, blah. And so I just I found that whole conversation almost it. Well, it was almost suspicious how that was honed in on as if that was what people were really talking about here. It certainly wasn't my only concern when it comes to surveillance and vaccines. And in fact, that's one thing that I I know it was a bit of a kind of a a long clip to use in this 33 minute or so podcast, but that one with uh, Carolyn Seidman Becker, whatever her name was, with Clear Health Pass always Mm -hmm. strikes me because that that right there in one tiny little clip is the nutshell encapsulation of this idea from Homeland Security to biosecurity. Yep. Clear Health Pass was created in the wake of 9-11 to track you know, people at airports and whatever, and and now it can be used for COVID or whatever else. We your health pass, and we'll use it at sports stadiums and retail anywhere. You know, it'll be great. That's it. Th- th- this is a, it is a surveillance state that's being erected on this phony justification. And so, yes, in that sense, sure, the vaccinated are playing into it in some way, whether wittingly or not. Any thoughts, Brock?
2: No, uh, James hit the nail on the head right there. You know, by people's uh, coalescence; they essentially giving over their own sovereignty to the to the surveillance state um, by doing that. So, are they physically microchip implantable? No, I don't. As James said, I I agree with him. There, there's no definitive proof of that yet. However, mm-hmm. um, just going quickly back to the Gates, um, the whole thing with Gates, I like that got convoluted because Gates actually has invested in mm-hmm. implantable microchipping technology yep. with Langer, yep. right? Yeah, the yeah, you know, right. contraceptive.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, yep. so I mean yep, yep, that yep, yep. and yeah exactly. For people who really want the deep dive go yeah. see my gates documentary and we yeah. really talked about that and documented it and yeah. So the yeah exactly it does get complicated. But that again that just seems like part of these that's part of the way the fact checkers love to work. Mm-hmm. They love to yeah. dance in these areas that are obviously there is some truth. There is some grain of truth. There is something happening there, but then they'll take the stupidest formulation of that by some peripheral person that nobody knows or cares about and debunk it. And then what gets populated in every search engine whenever you try to search for that subject is going to be those fact checks.
0: Right. Well, I I would also add to, and I think this is a very real tactic, doesn't mean that every time this happened that therefore the opposite of what they say is true. That shouldn't be anybody's logic, but that I do believe there's a level of putting out like a cartoonish version of something that is real in order to make people dismiss it. Like, and I'll take it one step further and it's just hypothesizing. Well, first of all, I love what you said there because I I don't think obviously what he was asking doesn't seem to be in relation to the, how they will use this to surveil, right? Like the, the passports and stuff, but that's a great point because that is the way they, the, people that are vaccinated are in effect by that used to surveil everybody, right? Pharmacovigilance and so on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, But what's interesting is you can overlap this. And again, nothing we can prove is in real time actually happening, but for for instance, there was the injections that were put forward during this that weren't necessarily inside, but did have an RFID tracking tag of, it was a type of vaccine or syringe rather that you could use. And this was discussed during COVID and then, people like us were saying, here's an interesting development. And then that got conflated with there's vaccines or chips inside the syringe. And so people acted like that actual syringe wasn't real, even though it was, and it was a a valid floated concept, but to take it to the extreme, which I kind of feel like he's asking, I don't think it's a, it's a valid topic to get into the concept of nanotechnology and whether or not there is some level of surveillance that is possible because Mm -hmm. of the technology being used like we just talked about the uh the wi-fi router kind of 3d mapping conversation there's all these things that people don't even think about
1: yeah i would say it certainly is possible and i have absolutely no doubt that it will be employed in the future Mm. if they can get away with it it's just do i know that it's happening right now i i don't know that for sure i agree yeah this is it's absolutely and and again it seems like part of a strategy to put it out there ahead of time right. so that it can be debunked. No, it's not in these vaccines. And then when it comes out, inevitably, if it ever if it ever comes out and comes to it and comes to a head, it'll be like, Well yeah, but it's good for you and everyone yeah. Right. Everyone who believes the fact checkers will just go, well, yeah, it didn't used right. to. When you said that before, you were crazy. And <laughs> right. Now when you say, say <laughs> it, you're right, but you're still wrong. <laughs> I
0: was going to say, well, James said it, it was fake, but now it's real, even though it's the same yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. But and one last part I would add is that if you really overlap this on the, the technology side of it, people like Charles, La- Charles Lieber, Robert Langer, Langer mm-hmm. being a co-founder of Moderna, their very research from all the way back then and now. The peak of it right now is getting into the 2023 study they put out literally gets into the concept of internal biosurveillance. I mean, even Mm -hmm. the point of using ocular, like having real time info, not like a like a movie, but info that can be decoded as video. That is what the person's seeing. Now, that's not saying that that's being used, in an, but the point is that that's what they're talking about. And it's kind of like the logical evolution of the same tech that they're using in injections. So it's just a, it's a crazy thing to think about. And I think you're right. As they put they, it ends up being that even us talking about this now is the very reason it gets debunked, even though it's actually in the process of being made. That's a terrifying mm-hmm. reality. But yeah, mm-hmm. anyway, so uh, let's see what else we got in here.
1: I got a uh, a question question, uh, from the Odyssey uh, chat, Uh, Awaken the Nation. James, are they leaving out medical tyranny in the definition of the term fascism? And uh, yeah, in a sense, yeah. Well, okay. if we take fascism in its most literal sense of corporatism, Mm -hmm. the merger of corporate and state power, um, then, yeah. I mean, that is the perfect encapsulation of this past few years. It's the big pharma I won't say Big Pharma Takeover because I, uh, I'm i not sure they're necessarily in the driver's seat, but absolutely, this is a Big yeah. Pharma slash government merger um, into the biosecurity state. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, exactly like the Homeland Security State created the Terror Industrial Complex, which I want to say Colin Powell identified by name as the Terror Industrial Complex, something like in 2009 or something like that. Okay. Um, at any rate, yeah, now it's the Biosecurity Industrial Complex, and it is a big ka-ching, ka-ching billions upon billions upon billions upon billions of dollars per year from for now until kingdom Kung come um presumably so yes that is a huge aspect of all of this and it's probably the easiest i would say it must be the easiest way to wake up the sort of the normies who may not, may have missed out on this uh it just beggars my imagination how the the left for example who 10, 20 years ago, Big Pharma was one of the big Mm. evils, right? The big evils. But now they're literally singing odes to Pfizer. The cognitive dissonance has got to break at some point. I just cannot believe that people can, can be completely converted over like that without seeing what has happened, especially now that it comes out, you know, as more and more comes out, you know, actually, it was... I, and th- this is something that always annoys me about the conversation is that, hey, now Pfizer is admitting it was never meant to stop transmission. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, Hello, Ryan and myself and many right. others were telling you this even before they even developed the damn things. It was right. in their right. own words. I, the future of vaccines, I have it in there. They're saying this does not prevent transmission. This is not even meant to do that. But now it's like some big revelation. Well, anyway, now that you know that, can you start questioning whether maybe there was some sort of, you know, financial um, opportunity right. here that may have been capitalized on that? Anyway, I just I th- I feel that must be the easiest way to get people to see what's going on. It was big pharma and it was money. And if we can just open the door to that conversation through that, mm-hmm. then we can start talking about some of the grander um, conspiracies that are going on as a result of this.
0: Not to bring in a, you know, a. The kind of point you mentioned before, but this is one of the problematic dynamics of the way that this this all works today is that, see, if you try to focus in on something like that, half of these people out there are going to accuse you of being somehow a shill for a false part of the story. And then that buries the narrative. And it's this interesting dynamic. Right. And so it's like I caution people out there you know, it just, it really has to come down to questioning everything, including what we're saying right now. You know what I mean? Like, because there's so many people out there that try to bury this into a... No, but you're exactly right.
1: There are people out there who cannot wrap their heads around the concept of taking their propaganda and showing by their terms, in their own words, on their own playing field, in their conception of what is happening, Mm -hmm. that they are lying. Even you can point to them saying in their own words that they're lying. And that doesn't mean that I'm buying into their lies. It means I'm showing you and I can show anyone walking around on the street, hey, look, they are lying. And here Mm -hmm. they're showing you that they're lying in their own words. That is an incredibly effective thing to do. But people will dismiss it because, oh, then you're believing their lies. Right. Yeah, it's self-defeating. And it it really pains me that so many people do not understand that basic concept. And it's the same thing with... With 9-11, I, I encountered that many, many, many times. No, you can show in their own words here in the 9-11 commission report that they absolutely are lying about this other thing they said over here. So does that mean you're believing them about their story? No, I'm showing you that they're liars. They are yeah. telling you. This is great evidence. It's a weapon that you can use in the information war to wake people up. See, but, for me, that yeah. fundamentally
0: comes down to what your true intentions are. Your intentions mm. to try to wake people up to what's going on about the lies or to just be right. In, in mm. the face of whoever you're talking to, you know, right. I said this with somebody like my brother, for example, who is a very smart person in the beginning of this, you know, and we, even myself, we all fall into this trap where you get so impatient with people that just refuse to see something real. But the point still remains: like, is your is your intention to just make them feel stupid, or do you really want to win them over? Because if you want to win them over, the way you're doing that's not going to work. You know, when you laugh at them, when you point, and it's just not going to happen. You know, so it's it's really about what your intentions truly are. And I think obviously, us here, we're you know, and a lot of people in this in this community are genuinely trying to reach people so that to get them to ask their own questions, whatever that may be. That's always a good first step. You know, I think that's really important. Absolutely. Well, uh do you guys want to get any more questions? You let me know. It's uh I know I don't know what you, I know you're you're up to uh, I don't forget what your time is. You're it's oh, night
1: for you over there. Morning for me. It's 11, for <laughs> 11:15, so I'm okay. Um okay. but uh I I wanted to get back to another point. Um mm-hmm. which again is kind of reminding ourselves even yeah, even watching these these clips and things, it really does kind of put you back in that 2020 uh mindset, which is not a pleasant place to be, but maybe somewhere we need to go. And Brock, you mentioned um that in the course of editing this, you were in the midst of a massive lockdown there in Vietnam. So uh, yeah. talk about talk about your own experiences with regards to this, because again, there's the personal tra- traumatic element to this that I think we should never forget because the tendency is to, to try to sweep this under the rug and just try to pretend it didn't happen. And we should not do that.
2: No, absolutely not. Uh, but it's unfortunate, well, it's a, it's a, Mind-saving technique that humans have that we tend to like to block out and forget traumatic experiences, you know, and that mm-hmm. that does us in in a scenario like this actually a disservice, I believe. But it is it is confronting to go back to it. I was taken straight back to the middle of the lockdowns that we had here in Vietnam. It was about three months of lockdowns. Um, it was tough. It was horrible. I had a um, me and my wife just had our son. He was mm-hmm. not even one years old at the time, yeah. and we we're in a small house small house. We were, we were able to leave the house and go down the street, but then the street going onto the main street from our alleyway was blocked off on both sides. So we are essentially trapped within a few hundred metre radius. Um, the food was brought in every day. Luckily, I saw it coming like a lot of people did, and we stocked up more than sufficiently. So we were okay in that regard. But yeah, the mental aspect of it, the psychological aspect of it was Pretty goddamn confronting, I got to say, and, and traumatizing. Um, I mean, do you think first couple of weeks, okay, I'm oh, dealing with this, I guess, but you get into week seven, week eight, week nine, and I started to you, you lose you lose your mind a bit. It's yeah. it's torture. It's yeah. um, it was horrible. Yeah. And uh, then in a in a kind of weird weird way, with, always with the, this work I do with James and with you, Ryan, I'm not desensitized by it. I feel it, but I get some kind of strength from it From that we are producing. We are trying to make a difference. We are getting some factual information out there, some real information out there, you know. So I, I get some strength from that. And I guess it, from a boring work editing perspective, it just kept me busy as well. Um, mm-hmm. So there was that, but yeah. You're welcome.
1: Anytime, I'll send you some more work. <laughs>
2: but Yeah, you know, that was, you know, there were, there were troops with guns deployed on the streets here. You wow. know? Um As a as a long disarmed Australian uh, living in Vietnam, that was a, that was a pretty confronting, pretty confronting scene. You know, they were going around. They were they were confiscating people from uh, if if they were allowed to go out and buy groceries. They were confiscating certain contraband or everything like that. You know, beer and uh, some light pleasures yeah. that people were trying to enjoy in lockdown. You know, um, but yeah, it was full on, and um, I sincerely friggin' hope that all of us can come together and, re- and resist mm-hmm. anything even clo- rem- remotely close to that in future yeah, um man. yeah
0: so ryan what was uh, your
1: experience uh
0: you know well i i was kind of lucky in my regard i was in a place that wasn't that bad uh you know tennessee and in, in particular franklin that where my where my office location is it's it's a it, most people here were almost like just we're willing to resist like to the point where you know like flouting outside you know that for some reason i just got lucky with this area but overall same thing with Brock for me it was you know we we're lucky we have an outlet you know where whether i mean even people that have like an online community at least that's something you know but for us it's like we it's it's a unique thing you know people in, in this you know we have a lot of people in our community in our chats and so it's almost you know that is helpful you know and then again like you said being able to talk about this and express yourself when you know you're being heard Like that's something that people don't think about. It's very different for people out there. that just talking to someone on the phone and then even worse when your circle doesn't believe the same things you do, you know, it's, it's, I, this is, this changed people, you know, it takes a very small period of time to develop habits. But for me, I just kind of put my head down and I was already in a place where I was doing this most more than anything else anyway. And again, luckily I could walk outside. It was an issue, but I had a few confrontations about masks. I mean, right from the beginning, I was like, that's not going to happen. You know, I just I, I was very outward about it, very forward. I, I, you know, I quite honestly, there was a couple times where I should probably I went. There's a place I like to go to, and I knew they had a math and I'm going to go in there and I'm going to put force them to acknowledge that I'm not going to wear it. You know, that kind of thing. But other than that, I, I did have a pretty lucky experience, and I know that there's people that I like. Someone just sent me a letter that I read on the air that it just it just breaks my heart. The people that that were forced into this position, and again, somebody not physically forced, but as we know, coerced into this position where they felt they had to vaccinate their children. And at that time they didn't even know the real risks. So they just, but they didn't want to, you know, and, and now they're grappling with this problem. And like, the point is like our work here, they, you know, thank for what we're doing and and they they saw them through, you know, now they're trying to rectify that problem. And it's like, I can't even imagine what that's like with families living with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Especially yeah when you're dealing with little kids and, Going through lockdowns and whatever else. Yeah, mm. crazy stuff. Um, I guess the only other thing that I think we need to address is what's well, coming.
0: What about you? you didn't, what, oh, what okay, yeah. For,
1: for <laughs> myself, I, I, I'm thinking everyone knows that, right? Well, maybe you don't, <laughs> actually. Um, if you type the keyword Japan into my search bar, you'll probably find a few of the questions for Corbett's I did about what's happening in Japan. And uh, basically, yeah, again, like yourself, it. Um, I know it's, it was a lot worse in other places. So I... I I don't want to say i can't complain (laughs) but you know what i mean Uh, (laughs) it could have been so much worse uh we didn't have a lockdown um we didn't have any uh, there were never mandatory there was never laws about masking or things like that and obviously no enforced injections although they didn't need to because of public pressure and social pressure and pressure from your company which is essentially your feudal overlord here in japan so a lot of people simply went along and um that was unfortunate and sad to see but that meant that we could live in our own little bubble and um uh, i was able to get out of my house and do things in fact yeah the the japanese response was funny in some respects because all uh basically every company and what have you would um say you know on your uh on your uh weekend off or whatever it like you don't travel. You're not going to leave this. You're not going to go anywhere. Right. You know, you and everyone was basically ag- tacitly agreeing to that. Meanwhile, the Japanese government was giving out special travel vouchers and like 10,000 yen if you go to this prefecture or whatever. So people were like pretending with their work. Oh, yeah, I'm going to stay home and just stay in my house for the weekend. <laughs> really going on vacation. So, yeah, it was a weird. Weird mishmash of uh, responses. So, yeah, uh, uh, unfortunately, there wasn't the great big resistance movement, though. Um, but I think we need to address where this is going. Um, and I guess the immediate thing is, of course, as everyone's talking about, the lockdown's coming in September, October, November. We're going to see that all happening again. I guess I want your take on that. And then sort of broader from there, Where's what are the next steps in the biosecurity agenda?
0: Well, from my perspective, I mean, I see this, I mean, it's already back. Like I think we need to be real about that. I mean, there's mass mandates. Schools have already shut down. You know, in a general sense. I, if I'm guessing, it doesn't. I don't see how they execute this in a way that creates the same kind of situation. The lockdowns. I feel like what what you know. Just again, predicting that that this will drive a new position of, of the feelings of this beginning again, and then something different is going to happen, whatever that means. Yeah. Climate change, you know, what, yeah. something else yeah. that will create a new level of fear and panic that will justify sort of the same direction. Yeah. Now I don't, I'm not saying that I think that's necessarily going to happen. That's what I think I see them beginning to do. I want to take kind of a positive step on this. And I really believe that I saw, I thought this last time and I really still see it there, maybe not on every topic, but that most people were, a little uncomfortable with what was happening, you know, that we're pushing mm-hmm. back on these things. And then it, it kind of culminated with the bivalent shot where even there, people were like, okay, no more, you know? And I think that now that's going to trigger a lot more questions. And I think mm-hmm. that hopefully people will push back enough to where maybe we force them into another re- regrouping stage, which we, we know it never stops. They'll regroup. And yeah, yeah, exactly, right, level, yeah. but that might be a positive. And then
1: everything the was better forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. Doesn't right. tend <laughs> to work that way, but no, but you're right. There can be times of, uh, it is a war of attrition. Mm. And we got to keep beating them back every time they come and fundamentally address the, you know, the basis of all this, uh, Brock, what do you think?
2: Um, I think it just, it's important to keep it at a macro level. Of course, we can all go into the finer details of things, but 9-11 to COVID, there used to be the big terrorist boogeyman. And as Mm. we have painstakingly documented, the terrorist boogeyman has gone away. Now magically disappeared, been written out of the script and now Human biology itself is being shown as the terrorist. You know, we're the virus. We're the, we're the threat to the earth. And that's the macro level that I come at it from. Mm. And I think everyone on, everyone on the planet can get on board and see how that is not just fundamentally wrong, but evil and completely sinister and completely against the antithesis of what free humanity is, free, independent, sovereign people are. We're not ter- we're not bioterrorists, by our nature, by our biology. And um, I think, I agree with Ryan completely, that I think, as they tend to do sometimes, they push the like envelope too far, way too far. And it has snapped a lot of people out, at least in my, in my local circles here, with my circle of friends here, the, there is no minority of us conspiracy theorists or anything like that anymore. All of us know it was BS. All of us know to differing levels of degree that there was a plan that it was an agenda that there, there is s- still something coming forward, you know, and that it is, a it has an anti-human, um, nature to it by its, by its definition, you know? So that's what, that's where I try to stay at that. That's, that's the fight. That's yeah. psychologically resisting that humans are these, you know, where the asymptomatic problem, yeah. where the problem, yeah. Like that's, yeah. If we give into that in our in our psyche, then yeah. we, we really are lost. But I don't, yeah. I don't see that. 100%. I don't see, I don't see it in the in least in my circle of friends and the people I associate with online and and in general public. Like, yeah, it's that's not how it yeah. is. That's just and and that
1: in it. itself suggests the the way forward, doesn't it? If if this is an anti-human agenda, we have to be pro-human, and all of the things that define us as human beings, as social creatures, whatever you want to call us, that that come together and physically participate in, uh, they, what do they call it? Physical distancing. Well, f- physical closeness, being together, uh, manifesting, a- a- agreeing, disagreeing, engaging with each other, but being together and moving forward. And we are, to the extent that we are the problem, well, we are also the solution. And uh, it's not going to come from some
2: absolutely.
1: WEF or whoever coming in around and telling us what to do with our lives. Absolutely right. Um, on the experiential note, I will say that, yes, I, it really does strike me. There have been two events in my lifetime that were 100% psychological trauma that absolutely could not be. I mean, you, it, it truly did create a, a different world, in a sense. 1 was 911. I remember vividly going through that day and I once th- one image that always sticks in my mind is going home on the the C-train, the Calgary Light Rail Transit on from work that day, going home. Uh literally you could hear a pin drop. Absolutely no one saying anything. Everyone's got their special uh, evening edition of the newspaper with the pictures of the towers and everything. And somebody had like the their am transistor radio turned on with the news just and that was literally the, the ride home and i uh, you know i will remember that forever that was obviously a traumatic event similarly when they started shutting down the okay the nba isn't going to play their season and all of this stuff and just everything starts shutting down and e- the entire world starts going absolutely bonkers that was a similarly um, traumatic event for a lot of people but that does imply just like after 9-11, you're, you're right, they, they they need something else or something different. And in my early, when I was first going down the rabbit hole and waking up 9-11 truth and all this, I was thinking, oh, well, basically they're going to continue this terrorist thing, but they're going to do it bigger. So it's going to be a false flag nuke or whatever, right? Then, okay, fair enough. That's always up the sleeve. They could always pull out something like that, but that isn't the way that it transpired. But yeah, it does have to be something orders of magnitude bigger or different or something that people aren't expecting in order to have that same psychological effect. Because you're right, I don't think just them coming out and saying, look, trust us, this time, it really is bad, and you really should stay home, I, that's not going to work. It's not going to work in the same way. So it has to be something different. And we all know something different is coming, and they've got a million different options up their sleeve. So yeah, I think what Brock said is extremely important to recognize that this is an anti-human agenda, that we are being essentially trained to hate ourselves and each other. And so the real solution to this is to come together and to, to be to be human in all of its nastiness and glory, everything right. that that entails.
2: Which well, means that's disagreeing that's on that's certain good. finer points too, from time to time. Of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: It's paramount.
0: You know, and I think that's a good note to, to wrap on, guys. I think if you, if, unless you had any more comments, that I just would end with the idea that, you know, as, as you just described, that post 9-11, as much as 9-11 was a very traumatic and jarring event, COVID-19, the illusion therein was very the same thing, but post 9-11, it wasn't an immediate overhaul of everything, right? There was then a gradual increase in change, but rapidly, but still a gradual change. I think that's what we're going to see now. Like, so your point is very clear that I think COVID-19 very well be the COVID 9-11 it, moment the inflection point that from here forward goes and where they go forward is up to us but it's, yeah. it, it happened already we're past it now so they've got yeah. those things in place so it really does depend on what we do and what we don't do and i think i couldn't agree more this the the we need to side on the side of humanity because clearly that's not what they're fighting for guys yeah. well thank you thank you guys for doing this again i'm honored to be part of this again and i really think this is going to wake some people up so anything else you guys want to leave us with before we i just want to
1: thank you for doing what you do and uh, if there are any of my listeners here that don't follow you at TheLastAmericanVagabond.com, why not? Absolutely, you should. And as one of the one of the people who has definitely kept his head screwed on straight for the past few years, I do salute you and the work that you're doing. Well, thank you. It means a lot to me.
0: Well, it's my pleasure to have you guys, and uh, we'll leave it there. And, and also,
1: we- thank you, Brock, for an incredible edit done under incredibly trying Always. circumstances. Absolutely. So. Thanks, I mean, guys. if
0: you if you guys don't happen to know, Brock also does some clips for for lab and he really just t- as I as I put in the actual, I think in the in the 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 description, the editor extraordinaire, and I mean that. So, <laughs> thank
1: you. Guys. That's your Brilliant. official title now, buddy. Yeah,
0: way.
2: yeah. <laughs> hey, I've been called worse. That's for damn sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, well, I'll leave it there, guys, and uh, thank you for being here. And as always, everybody out there, question everything, come to your own conclusions, stay vigilant. Thank you.